Hi everyone, Tiffany here with a super quick note that this podcast was recorded as part of a previous bundle season. That means that the dates that you're about to hear for the bundle, well, they're no longer correct. If you're interested in seeing what the dates are for this year's sale, please visit thebellydancebundle.com. There you'll find all the up-to-date information on our upcoming bundle. While the dates may be wrong and the class mentioned here isn't available through us any longer, many of our guests still have their courses available for purchase individually, so please do feel free to click through to their offerings and take a look. You're going to want to check it out after hearing how brilliant they are. Thank you so much for listening and enjoy the show. It's Yala Rocks, Episode 8, and today we're talking about exercise science and anatomy. wish there was one of those anatomy for yoga books, but for belly dance, I have multiple times and especially part of the way through this interview. There is so much knowledge to be gained from knowing how your body is made so that you can work with it instead of against it, especially when you're trying to dance. Today's guest, Maheen, is a lifelong student of dance who has also studied exercise science and has brought the two together to my complete delight. Her contribution to the 2019 Belly Dance Bundle isn't an Anatomy for Belly Dancers book per se, but it is a lecture slash movement class on the topic, and I could not be more excited. In addition to chatting about anatomy and dance today, we'll also be talking a bit about the power of description when you're teaching, or why you should totally be paying attention to your teachers when they make all those funny noises when you're dancing in class. And, of course, one of my new favorite descriptors, the glitter theory. Hello, dancers, and welcome to Yala Rocks, the belly dance podcast that helps you design your personal practice. I'm your host, Tiffany, and joining us today for one of our belly dance bundle minis is a hopeless live music addict, the publisher of the Daily Belly Dance Quickies, and she's a firm believer that people should understand their bodies. Maheen! Hi, Maheen! Hello, 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 hello. Welcome to the podcast. I hope you're as excited to be here as I am to have you here. I am. I am very excited. Anytime anyone wants to talk about body science and belly dance, I am there. Well, we are going to dive into that and talk whole bunches about it. But before we kind of get into all the geeky body stuff, what is it that brought you to belly dance? How did you find it? What made you fall in love with it? Um, Tell us the story. Well, let's see. I have always danced. Um, I have three older sisters and we all took dance classes as kids. And uh, so dance has always been part of my life. Um, Alongside of that, for some mysterious reason, my mother had belly dance albums. And this has always been a mystery to me because to the best of my knowledge, my mother has never taken a dance class in her entire life. So, (laughs) and I certainly never saw her belly dancing, but she had these albums in our you know big old record player thing uh with these beautiful pictures on the front which i couldn't resist and so of course i put them on so i listened to a lot of belly dance music as a kid um and having absolutely no way to know actually what it 
really look like being done, but that didn't stop me from taking the curtains off of my canopy bed and doing my best to mess around in the living room. So my sister and I used to put on dance shows in the living room for my parents on Sunday afternoons. <laughs> oh, it's very, it was like a scheduled thing. Sunday um, afternoon. Yeah. Dance just shows. That kind of when it <laughs> happened, it wasn't every Sunday, but we would we would do that just for fun. They you know just and we'd tell my parents they had to come and watch us, and they'd sit on the couch. <laughs> so awesome! Uh, that was something we did as a family. Um, but uh, and so it just kind of remained as something like I would see it sometimes, and we did go to restaurants where occasionally where we would be able to see belly dance because we live near city. So. Um, the uh, uh, it was in my life that way, but it wasn't until I was an adult and involved with a, a completely non-dance related group, but to happen to have two women in there who were professional belly dancers, and so that just kind of was like something I slid in from the side like that, going to parties with them and then eventually getting suggested that I should go take a class with a friend of theirs. And, you know, that's how it happens. You get into class and it spirals out of control. Yeah. (laughs) Spirals out of control is probably the right word. Yeah. (laughs) That's how you kind of found belly dance. How, Mm -hmm then did you find this love for exercise science? And explain to you a little bit about what exercise science means and what it is for <laughs> listeners who are like, what? Science? Well, I've just, I've just always, I have always been interested in how things work and I've always been really interested in how bodies work. Like I wanted, I, I you know, I, I was always super interested in anatomy anytime we studied it in school. Um, and because I could just like see in my head you know, the parts that were moving as I was dancing in dance classes. And so that to me just was like this instant connection. I mean, look, I was learning about this thing I use all the time and something that I love doing. And so it was just a really natural pairing for me to be interested in this. And um, I was actually dancing professionally and already teaching before I decided to get my degree in exercise science from ASU. Uh, So I had already been teaching for, I don't know, I I guess maybe four, maybe five years before I even decided to go get a degree in this. And then I did. And it really changed how I taught in a big way. And so when you had asked what, you know, what is exercise science? Well, that's kind of a bit of a broad term, but in general, the things that, um, that you, that, you know, I spent a lot of time studying were of course uh, about understanding the structure of the body, how muscles work, and very more specifically, how you train to get specific results. So if you want, you know, endurance, how do you, how do you train that? If you want strength, how do you train that? And and also analyzing movement for what is needed for each kind of movement. You know, does this movement require endurance? Does it require balance? Does it require strength? Does it require flexibility? I mean, like looking into a movement and really seeing what kind of uh, functionality that the body needs to have to be able to carry it out effectively and safely. That's really interesting. And I love the idea of looking at moves through that perspective because I like to call it your limiting factor, right? Like if you're not strong enough to do the move, that's the limiting factor. You have to get stronger in order to be able to do the move. You have to get more flexible in order to achieve the thing that you are kind of going for. And so really taking a step back and looking at the move from that perspective makes it a lot easier, I think, to figure out where things have gone sideways. 
Like if you yeah, yeah. move forward. There's, there's a lot of ways to take a movement apart. And, and sometimes it's, it can be really confusing. Sometimes we think it's strength, but really it's not. It's you've got tension involved and tension in the wrong place. And you have to overcome that tension because you've set up this block for yourself. Whereas if you had not created tension in some place in your body, this, this strength on the counterbalancing side may be quite sufficient to do the movement. So sometimes we sabotage ourselves with certain things. Sometimes we think flexibility is an issue, but it isn't. It's alignment. And so there, there's a lot of different ways to look at it. That's, and so how do you suggest going about finding what that limiting factor is other than of course talking to someone who is well versed in exercise science to um, help you figure it out well first you have to understand like you have to be able to pull apart these different things so you need to understand uh, to understand you know flexibility beyond meanings oh it means i can stretch no it, it, it flexibility means more than that you know and um it, you have to be able to sort out how these different things happen in your body and you have to also be able to like let's say that you were uh let's say let's say you were working on an undulation okay and they just don't look the way you want them to so you have to start to pull apart the different factors that are in there you know you have factors with strength you have factors with flexibility you have um factors that involve maybe uh if you haven't if you have issues because even people's specific body issues become factors like some people have very tight lower back some people have you know fused discs <laughs> some people have longer versus a, tor a shorter torso i mean you know abdominal strength there's so many different things in there so you have to pick out some of the factors that um, that make the movement successful or not successful, and and really look at them as separate items and see if one is getting in the way of the other. And that that takes you know that that takes a bit of uh, a bit of learning <laughs> to separate that uh, for sure. Um, but you know, a lot of times I think one of the biggest ways that people can assess this kind of thing is to ask themselves questions about where they feel a movement is too small or lacks control and is too big, uh, is losing balance or stability, or, um, or if it's not, if, if it's, uh, if it's feeling difficult. So like, so those are kind of some things can, that can point towards balance issues, strength issues, or, flexibility issues and also to be really aware of where you feel activation and tension in your body because that tells us a lot sometimes the activation is in the right place and sometimes we're activating in a wrong place that kind of is setting up a block for us to actually really complete the movement the way we want to and if, for dancers who come into our dance form without dance training like you trained since you were a kid in different styles of dance I didn't, I wasn't allowed to take dance as a kid. So I came to belly dance. That was it. That was all I'd ever known. And learning to pay attention to my body and what my body was doing at any given moment was not an easy thing to do. And so yeah. there's that whole block in front of the block of then figuring out, well, is my body doing what it's supposed to be doing in this moment? Is figuring <laughs> out what your body's even doing in the first place. That is so true. And that is something that I think a lot of times that uh, dance teachers forget. 
I mean, we are so in tune with our bodies and we are like, you know, we know we can like every moment of every day, I can feel my back is tighter on this side than it is on this side. And I'm sitting crooked and like at this very moment, I'm describing my position. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, like I'm aware of all these things, but if you take someone who typically is not trained in say, you know, being um, like in dance or or in a sport even sometimes, yeah. someone who's not very physically active um they'll be like uh you know how's your body right now i'm sitting (laughs) it's like this is what they'll tell you i'm sitting right you know so so when they come into dance class and you're trying to talk to them about very specifics uh of a movement um you know in in, uh, one part of a body at a time or talking about feeling tension in an area or feeling stretch in an area these are really foreign concepts for people who are coming in as adults without any prior dance training. And I think it's super important for uh, teachers to understand that because not everyone's got that same level of connection with their body. And I I think knowing what you're talking about on the exercise science side, like knowing more than your average person on what a body should and should not be doing, and then combining that with the knowledge that some people have no idea how to even feel their bodies allows you more space and more words to be able to communicate with people at all levels what their body should be doing. And, yeah, it, and it's, important to, it's important to choose your communication really carefully because for someone who is uh, just like, oh, thinking about my hips in general as separate, for, as, as, a, as a one specific thing rather than just they walk, right? <laughs> you know, um, thinking about that kind of a thing, you have to, you have to choose your imagery that you use and your words that you use to not be too technical and also to be specific enough. So you have to find that right balance. And a lot of times that requires saying things in multiple ways of, of because one of them is going to go ding, 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 and you see the light bulb go off, you know? So, <laughs> so everybody experiences it a little differently. My favorite example of this was I had been dancing for three years probably, and I'd had several teachers try to like correct my posture. I was flaring my rib cage out too far. Like I was pulling my shoulders back, but I wasn't pulling my rib cage back down. And for some reason, it just never clicked. I couldn't quite figure it out. It was causing a little bit of back pain for me because that's a hard position to hold. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And one day, one of my teachers, it was Jenna in Los Angeles. She walked in front of me and she went, pretend like you're squeezing a hot dog with your ribs. And all of a sudden it was just like, boop. <laughs> and that was it. It was like, my ribs were like a hot dog bun. <laughs> and I was just like, squeezing them around and I was like oh of course and so like I love that because that that is totally how it is it's it's just the one thing that somebody says that just clicks it for your brain And and then when you when you do something like that did you do you recall immediately feeling like you the center of your back opened up yeah yeah so see, that's, see, this is one of those things. It's like sometimes someone can tell you about your back and tell you about your back and tell you about your back and then it's still not clicking. And then they talk about the other half and then it clicks. Whereas someone else might be the opposite. You know, they, mm-hmm. you know, you can tell them to squeeze with their ribs and like squeeze with my ribs. How what does that even do mean? I do that? But then you talk, tell them about opening up the, you know, the center of their back, you know, or on like unlacing that 
corset between their shoulder blades. Oh, and I like that one. Then, you know, that kind of a thing and just kind of being aware of where their shoulders are and some, an imagery like that might work a lot better for somebody else. But like I said, sometimes you got to throw a couple of examples out there before one of them actually settles in their brain and lets them manifest that as a, as an adjustment. See listeners, when you're in dance class, don't just like ignore the teacher because you think, you know, listen to all those weird things that they're saying, all those weird analogies and sounds that they're making. Cause like one of them sometimes is going to change the way you stand. It's going to change the way you dance. It's going to change the way you do that move. And they're unexpected when they come. Yes. And I mean, there's, there's been times when I've, when I have uh, explained something in a class where, you know, many of the people in the class have been with me a long time and we had a couple new people and I was like, okay, something's not firing with this person. And then I say something that I don't, haven't said before. And then I have one of my other students go, oh, I never thought of it that way. You know, it's like that works for me. You know, it's like, you know, it was something that we're still working on. <laughs> so let's talk about movement quality in relation to anatomy, knowing what's firing, what's, what's kind of going on in your body and how that affects the actual quality of the movement. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, my thing is like, Okay, if you were going to go put a shelf up, okay, and you decided that you were going to use an electric drill, I think it would be a really good idea for you to know how to use that thing before you go drilling into the wall, right? Probably <laughs> a good idea. So, I mean, you know, I feel like we're just, our bodies are the same way. I mean, we should, we should have a good knowledge of how they work. And I think that, um, I think the biggest thing is that when you know how your joints are put together and you start to move, let's say through, um, oh, let's say, let's, let's talk about maybe like a camel. Okay. You know, like a, the bottom part of an undulation, some people might call that. So your hips are scooping forward. They're moving backwards. They're kind of taking that scooping action through the front. And if you think about, if you can visualize your pelvis, if you can see it and you can see how your thigh bones go up into your pelvis, you can make a much clearer and deliberate movement and you can get it where you want it to be. You know, when you understand the way that muscles stretch across the front of your hip and, you know, from your knee, some attached below, attached below the knee and going up, up your thighs and how some of them cross across the front of your hip joint and go onto your pelvis, if you can understand that, you can start to understand why you need to keep your knees soft, you know, and, and why keep having your knees too straight is going to really hinder the amount of movement that you can have in your hips. And people are like, oh, my hip movement's so, you know, it's too small. I can't see it. Well, you need to look a little further down the chain. You know, I mean, it could, it could be your knees. It could be your knees aren't bent enough. It could also be that your stance is a little wide because as soon as we stand too wide, our hips don't become the focus of our movement so much. I mean, it dilutes the amount, the effective, like the visual effect of our movement. So when you, uh, when you understand your construction, you can use it to work with you and not against you. And so that's where the improvement of the movement quality comes from, from that kind of understanding. Does, does that answer the question? Absolutely. I was afraid I would wandered off there. No, no, absolutely. <laughs> I think it's fascinating because to me, it's almost like thinking outside of the box, right? Like in an undulation, you're like, oh, my hips, like the hip part of this isn't big enough. 
the box that you're thinking of is like from your ribs down to your hips. You don't think uh -huh. about how do, how do my knees affect that? How does my stance affect that? Because they're outside of like the movement, quote unquote. Right. I mean, like I would, I would, I would say just right. If we have a little experiment right now with your listeners, I want them to stand up. Okay. okay. So excited. I want them to stand up and I want them to stand with their knees as close to fully straight as they possibly can, not locked back. And some people have very hyperextended knees and they really lock back. So just barely, like just have your knees soft, but like almost as straight as they can be. And try to just take your hips and do like a little hip up with your feet fully on the floor. I know she's going to totally standing up. Right now. <laughs> so, and try that and see like your hips really have hardly anywhere to go. Now bend your knees about two inches worth. Now do it. And all of a sudden you're like, oh, my hips have so much more space. And yep. the reason for that is because you have a muscle that goes across the front of that hip joint. You've got your rectus femoris muscle right there. And if your knees, if your knees are fully extended, that muscle is fairly taut across the front of the hip. And if it's taut there, then you don't have slack to let your pelvis go from side to side. You've got something tight across the front of it. And if you sit a lot, that muscle can be very tight. So even if you are pretty flexible across the front of your hips, um, if you don't give them the advantage of that flexibility by having some slack, by bending your knees and taking some slack off of that, then you are hindering the amount of movement you can have in your hips. But if you understand where your muscles are and how those things go across the joints, then that's a mistake you probably won't make. Maheen, I'm going to need you to write a book. <laughs> just, I'm just saying, I think, have you ever seen those like anatomy for yoga? Oh books? yeah. I'm going to need anatomy for belly dance. <laughs> I, I prefer to deliver these things in the <laughs> format. I am just not a writing kind of a person. <laughs> As anyone who visits my blog and sees how sporadic it is, we'll figure out very quickly. <laughs> you got to do what works for you. But I think, yeah, okay. I think an illustrated version like that would probably be invaluable yeah. <laughs> because like you're talking about these things and I'm just like, that's exactly, that's amazing that that's why that's the it's, case. And it's such a simple fix. I mean, yeah. bend your knees, like really just bend your knees. And all of a sudden, you know, a world of movement has just gotten a little bit bigger, right? So there's a whole lot of things like that, that about our bodies, that when we apply these things, um, they, they just reap such wonderful results, you know, with some of them, yeah, some of them take some effort, you know, in the strength and flexibility area, but when it's alignment and working with the structure of our bodies, often these fixes are, satisfyingly fast, mm -hmm. <laughs> which is wonderful. And we don't get a lot of that in the belly dance space because it takes oh. so much practice and drilling to like get these moves to have something that's just like fixed. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, nice. And, and in some cases, um, in some cases with shoulder joints and hip joints, there's a couple of little tweaks like that, that are, that are, uh, really, you can, you can feel the difference immediately. So talking to muscles, you know, informing the movement and kind of what's happening. One mm -hmm. of uh, my favorite stories that Sahar Saida tells a lot during JTE is her and uh, Farida were doing a lot of debating while they were working on their master's thesis on what muscles powered what moves because they were coming from different <laughs> styles. Yeah. So I would love to hear your take kind of on how some of the different styles of belly dance utilize different muscles to accomplish the same aim. 
Oh, that's kind of a loaded question. I'm, lo- I'm loading it up. You can just pick, <laughs> just pick like one move or something and kind of okay. Well, that, does that narrow down a bit? Um, well, you know what? This is, I feel like there's also some subjectivity in the answer. That's I mean, true. this is, this is wow. Maheen's opinion, everybody. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Asterisk. All right. So, I mean, let's, let's talk, let's kind of narrow the field first of our, okay? absolutely. Like if we look at, and, and this is, this is actually really a, a this is, I'm going to get, gets out of anatomy and gets a little bit into style. Um, but we are so bent on putting boxes around styles of belly dance and we want to say we want to be able to have the rubber stamp ready to go egyptian (laughs) turkish lebanese right and and yes there are things that these styles have in common you know the egyptian dancers have certain qualities that make them look egyptian their approach to the music a lot of it and they're movement somewhat right and this is a this will be from my observations and from my study with other people and, and things like that that i'm going to say this again so i'm sure there's people out there going oh no that's not it at all have your opinion go ahead <laughs> so if we look at even within a style like let's say we look just into egyptian what we're looking at not even not even egyptian style let's still look at egyptian dancers okay all right so if we look at Egyptian dancers, even currently, who's dancing now over there, native-born Egyptian dancers, there's a lot of difference between them. If we look over the course of the 40s up to now, we have a radical difference. Radical. So different. Right. Yeah. So I, I, I really hesitate to uh, apply like movement differences across styles because so much of them are very personal to the dancer. I think that if we look in some sense, I would personally say that Egyptian style is a lot more driven from the abdomen in the middle of the torso than from a lot of more leg driven things. And I'm sure there's people there who will disagree with me on that. But I find a lot more leg driven things, say in Turkish style, where the knees are doing a lot of helping of the hips, which gives a bigger, looser feel to the movement rather than a more compact feel. I have, I, I have a thing in my, in my class we call the glitter theory. <laughs> So I love the I love the name. I'm excited to hear what it is. Okay. So imagine, imagine you are covered in glitter. That never happens, right? <laughs> Not us. Not us, never. So imagine you are covered in glitter. So if you are dancing in that in kind of let's think about a very uh internalized kind of egyptian style where the movement's always cycling energy inward right and you're always reclaiming your energy you're always coming back to center you're not going to shed much glitter right it's going to pretty much stay on you now let's say your movement gets bigger and looser and let's say let's think like turkish it has a lot of that outward kind of energy with big hip bumps and things like that right and so your glitter is going to fly off of you and you're going to start to make clouds of glitter all over the place. So that kind of energy, you know, like there's a difference between that kind of 
energy kind of cycling in your body and coming back, your movement comes out, but you're always reclaiming it, right? Or you're, you know, or you're like, you know, you're very actively, you know, doing lots of outward kind of accents and lots of knee-driven things that give a lot of energy to your movements and make them big and loose and, you know, you're matching that kind of energy in a, in a, in a, um, in a style of music, then, you know, your energy is going to fly out, you know, your energy is going outward and, that's, you know, all of these things are beautiful and they're all different. And of course, you know, even within like, you know, Greek and Turkish and Egyptian and everything else, we've got subdued pieces of music and we have very energetic pieces of music too, right? So again, I feel like it's really hard to put hard labels on styles. So yeah, that's- I think, I think that's what I was looking for was, right? Like the different kinds of ways that someone would drive their hips right? Being yeah. driven by different parts of the body. And then what that then makes the move look like. And your glitter theory, I think captures it <laughs> perfectly. <laughs> I think it really does. So what are some common issues that you see with dancers and their movement as you're teaching, you know, all your students, I know you travel to teach workshops as well. Like what's a common issue that you find yourself kind of pointing out or thinking about at least as you, um, as you do that? I think that there's a couple of them. Uh, I think that when, like, when I'm teaching a, a brand new class full of, like, you know, beginner level students, a really big one is a lot of times they're not aware of what, where their weight is, like where their where their where their leg are you standing on anyway, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. And it's like, and that's so again that that comes back to the whole uh, being aware of your body. They're like, I'm standing. I'm like, yes but which leg are you on and where is your center of gravity actually? You know, I mean, that's a whole different level of being aware of where you are standing. And it's a really important one for dancing because if we expect to do something that moves our torso while we're standing on one leg um, or what we think is one leg, but we got this foot touched out to the side and we've actually put 25 or 30% of our weight over on that toe where that means our center of gravity is hanging out somewhere in between. And we're probably not going to have a whole lot of support from the bottom for a torso movement, you know, like an undulation or something where you, you really need to be balanced over center, over your center, right? So I think that's a big one is, uh, is making sure people know, first off, if you're going to be on one foot, be on one foot. If you need to have a little bit of weight on one foot to execute something like uh, maybe like a little single hip circle, you know, as you go out towards the outside of it, your weight's going to come a little bit onto the ball of the foot there because you need the support, right? And so um, feeling the weight transfer as you do uh, like a hip circle, letting feeling how your weight goes from one foot to the other. People need to um, develop that sense because you can't start, say, walking with a hip circle until you actually understand when you can move a foot and not fall over right and <laughs> not and not in at, at worst case and at best case not interrupt the flow of the circle so it doesn't halt at halves right so i think that's a big one um i think that uh understanding when from when you get into dancers who are a little bit more experienced in that um understanding the role of the knees and the legs to drive when you want them to drive a movement, to amplify when you want them to amplify a movement that is primarily driven from the torso or the hips, you know, 
um, and using the legs and, and in conjunction with the feet, actually, and the cooperation between the knees and your, and your feet to make smooth transitions. Um, those are big areas. And, uh, and, and understanding where your center of gravity is, like make sure it's in the right spot to make that movement you know, happen with the most ease. Because a lot of times we think we have to work super hard, but no, we don't wanna work super hard. We wanna work efficiently because we want movement to look graceful. We don't want it to look like it's a, an you know, extreme athletic endeavor. I think we want grace, right? <laughs> and I think that efficiency is what makes it look effortless. Yes. Yes. People are like, feel it too. How is she doing all of these things at the same time? Right. It's that effortless amount to it, but it's that effectiveness in our movement. Yeah, and that's where the whole the whole fighting your body comes thing comes back is because efficiency means you're not using effort in a part of your body that doesn't need it because that means another part of your body has to overcome that effort a lot of times. So you, it's about making sure that you're using only what you need to use to create that thing so you can keep that sense of relaxedness and ease in your body. And I'm, I'm going to take this as an opportunity to get up on one of my personal soapboxes and talk about bringing it back to the basics because I think that is what you're talking about is what makes it extra difficult, I think, to put layers on things. Because if you're not doing the base movement right or the two base movements right and then you try to layer them together but you're doing this thing, you're holding tension in the wrong place, and that's impeding the other movement that you're trying to do. And suddenly you're just like, why can't I do these two things? Breaking them apart, drilling back to the basics, mm-hmm. you know, and not being like, oh, I know how to do a hip circle. Like, no, actually take a second with your teacher or by yourself in your practice, break it down mm-hmm. and figure out where the problem is occurring so that when you combine the things, your muscles are all working in the yeah. same direction. Yeah. 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 I mean, every, everything, everything's gotta, gotta work together. I mean, you know, that's, that's one, like one of the things I feel like, uh, oftentimes students have an easier time contracting a muscle than extending it on purpose. And I think that gets them in trouble with so many movements that just, just they they fight. And, uh, and, and letting go and letting go of tension in a movement, you know, for example, I think you see this all the time in every form of hip figure eight, like no matter what plane it's on, you have got to let go of tension in one side to create the movement in, in that side. And it has to, you have to work from one side and relax from one side. And otherwise you can't get that shape. Otherwise your shape is just going to be constrained and small and tight and, and it won't feel good. And if it doesn't feel good, I'm going to guess that it doesn't look as good as it could. (laughs) Got to get into it. Yeah. Yeah. Your dance should feel good on your body. I mean, it shouldn't, it shouldn't feel painful. It should feel good on your body. And if it feels good on your body, you're going to radiate that same kind of energy out as you are dancing and it's going to look good on you. And it's going to up your confidence. Yes. Because it feels good. Your whole experience, your whole, I mean, and for it's because we don't only dance for other people. We dance for ourselves as well. And we share it. We dance for ourselves and we share it. Right. So you want it to feel good. You want it to feel good. You want it to look good when you look in the mirror and you want it to look good when you share it with someone. I think that this has been full of invaluable advice for (laughs) dancers. So your contribution to the 2019 belly dance bundle is a lecture practical anatomy and body mechanics for belly dance for anybody mm-hmm. who's 
been listening to this and they're like geeking out, like this is exactly what I want to hear. This is what I need to know. Um, I mean, can you talk a little bit about what that core, like what your lecture covers and entails? Yeah, and, and lecture is really kind of a mis misleading word for this one. Um, yeah. it, is, it is part lecture and it is also a movement class as well. So um, in, this, in this class, it's, uh, let's see, I think we, I think that it's somewhere between 90 minutes and two hours. I think it like comes in at just like, just maybe 15 minutes shy of two hours. Um, we definitely cover uh, basic anatomy. Uh, only to the level that we actually need it for understanding our movement. Not, I, I have not overloaded everyone with all of the wonderful anatomy details that I love so much. Thank you. <laughs> we appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, I, I restrained myself. Um, so uh, we do go through, uh, through um, arm, um, upper body and arms and torso and hips and knees and feet. So we go head to toe. Um, and also we look through the lens of a couple of different uh, movement facets. So we look through uh, flexibility, muscle initiation, strength and tension, all of which can be positive and negative in, in some cases. Um, and so we look uh, basically part by part in our body or region by region, I should say, and look at, at some key belly dance movements for each one to understand how flexibility, you know, in, is a factor in these movements and how strength might be a factor. And we go through some safety things uh, for joints, especially for knees and for shoulders. Um, and so basically we're, we're, we're learning about how the joints work. We're learning about how our muscles work, how they work together, how they work for us, how they can work against us and how all of that really, you know, the rubber hits the road with our, with our dance movements. So, and it is part slides with diagrams and wonderful anatomical drawings and all of that good stuff. And then part of it is getting up and moving your body and try out this thing and, you know, try this exercise, try this stretch, try this movement, try it with a tweak, all of that stuff. So it's about 50, oh, no, probably more than, it's probably about 30% slides and talking of, about that kind of stuff and showing things and about 70% of it is stuff you can get up and actually try. All about that experimentation. Yeah, you got, you got to embody it. You have to actually feel it. It's one thing to look at a picture of something. It's another to hear about it. And it's a whole different thing to actually stand up and experience it in your own body. And that is the only way for people to truly understand it is to actually experience it on the level that they're going to use it. So. so I have to tell you guys that when Maheen sent this over as her contribution for the belly dance bundle, I was crazy excited because this is, this is the type of nerdery that I totally love. Things that you can practically apply to your dance that actually like have an effect every single day. I love, I love this kind of stuff. So Maheen, other than in the bundle this year where people can get this lecture, where can people find you on the internet? Oh, they can find me at the Belly Dance Quickies site, which is bellydancequickies.com. And uh, over there, I do have uh, my blog, as sporadic as it is, <laughs> when I bring myself to write, I do have a bunch of things up there. Um, but And also all of the uh, tutorial videos for the Belly Dance Quickies. There, all of the videos are over there and any information for, oh, special event online classes, anything like that that we're doing is all there. Um, but, you know, I actually, if you look on my blog, 
I have brought myself to write about anatomy a number of times over the years. <laughs> and so there is a whole category of blog posts about uh, belly dance anatomy, covering feet and covering knees and all kinds of stuff and uh, flexibility and things. So if this kind of thing interests them, they can search that topic on the blog and find some stuff that I've written. Awesome. I love that you have so many ways for people to keep in touch with their practice, with the quickies and with all of this stuff. I, I really admire the work that you've put into this over the past. How long have you been running the belly dance quickies? Oh, geez. Uh, 2010. So, I started in January of 2010. Almost 10 years. I know. I know. It's crazy. I'm coming up on 10 years. I took like a th two to three month hiatus at one point because life just was like, you got to. <laughs> I think and, uh, two or three months over the course of 10 years is completely acceptable, Maheen. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I, I'm, I'm a perfectionist. What can I say? <laughs> but uh, yeah, it has, it has been going since uh, January, 2010. So yeah, I'm coming up this year on a 10 year anniversary. I had no clue when I started this, that that would be like where it is now and doing what it's doing now and where it led. But you know, it's just like anything else in belly dance. I didn't walk into my first formal belly dance class ever thinking I'd be doing this either. So, you know, life goes, life goes where you, uh, where, where you lead it, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. So everyone, I highly suggest you hop on that daily belly dance quickies email list. It's fantastic. There's so many great resources and Maheen has some great guest lecturers come on to do, um, to do paid for lectures through all of that. So check oh, it out. Thing's been amazing. It's so oh. cool. It's so great. So check it out. Um, the belly dance bundle, if you're interested is on sale this year from October 16th to the 23rd. After that, you cannot get this particular bunch of products ever again from really anywhere. Cause I don't know who else is going to put all these things back together. Cause it's a lot of work. <laughs> so Maheen, thank you so, 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 so much for coming on and talking about anatomy and dance and just all of this amazing nitty gritty things that I think are really going to help people in their personal practice. Well, thank you. I mean, like no one ever has to twist my arm to talk about dance and anatomy. <laughs> so it's been a delightful. Thank you so much. And I'm really excited about being part of the bundle. This is my third year. I Yay. know. I'm so excited. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun. And I, I totally like, even as a contributor, I am always so excited that, you know, I get a copy of the bundle as a contributor and right? I see all of this stuff. And it's like, there's so many amazing things that keeps me busy for all year, like, you know, with extra stuff to kind of learn and do. And, and I, I truly enjoy it and appreciate it, uh, everything that you're doing with this. And I hope that people take advantage of it. Well, thank you so much. And guys, you heard it. Check out the bundle. Well, I would put money down that if you didn't stand up while listening to this and try some of the things we were talking about, you did at least adjust your posture once or twice. It's amazing what just bringing awareness to your body can do for you, both in dance and outside of it. In addition to Maheen's challenge that will be dropping on the Instagram feed later today, or if you're from the future, is on the show notes page, I would also like to challenge you to be more aware of your body today. Pick one habit that you've been trying to stop, or if you've been wanting to work on your posture while you're sitting at a computer, you can choose to do that as well. Now, I don't necessarily want you to change the thing that you choose, but I do want you to just notice when you're doing it. Bringing this awareness to your body and paying attention to what it's doing is 
a lot of times the first step in changing up our dance, improving our posture, or even stopping bad habits, awareness is key. Because if you don't know you're doing it, you can't change it. If you're interested in signing up for the Daily Belly Dance Quickies with Maheen or in following her on social media, you can check out our show notes page at thebellydancebundle.com slash eight. If you've been enjoying Yala Rocks, please consider subscribing through your favorite podcast app so that you can be sure not to miss any of our episodes. And if you don't have a favorite podcasting app, you can check out either Apple Podcasts or Pocket Casts. Both are excellent, though, to be honest, I prefer Pocket Casts, and they can help you get started on your journey into podcasts. This podcast, though, will be continuing after the 2019 Belly Dance Bundle sale is over, so if you know of a dancer who you'd love to hear more from regarding their practice and expertise, I'd love to know. You can DM me on Instagram or send an email over to hello at thebellydancebundle.com. Thank you so much for listening and subscribing and for just being you because you're awesome. Remember, stay aware of your body today, but in an inquisitive way. You're gathering information, not ammunition. Take care.